0: welcome back you're listening to the dynasty market watch where yesterday's price is not today's price presented by the bulletproof family of podcasts i'm todd Halverson. i'm joined by brian o'leary and matt davis typically we have a nice structured podcast with these pretty little segments and we're all prepared today we're just talking ball baby we're just talking some football so, this is Brian's worst nightmare. Um, I, I could hear the concerned tone in his text as we were discussing this week's episode. So, this week, we're going unscripted, unfiltered, unedited, just all the uns. This is what we're doing this week. This was my idea, so if it goes sour, I'm going to have to wear this one. Un-
1: This is uncalled for.
0: Yeah, so, we're going to see where this one goes. We're going to see some rabbit holes. I would... Preface and tell you what we're going to talk about, but I, I don't know yet, so we're just going to find out here in a few minutes. Without further ado, Brian, play that Fat Joe.
2: Yesterday's price is not today's price. Why, why?
0: So at night, whenever we get the kids in bed, I'm going to keep PG. Just don't, don't worry. But when, at night, whenever we keep, get the kids in beds, we're just like hanging out, watching TV. I'm on my phone, probably fighting with people online about Roma Dunze and my wife to me and be like so what do you want to talk about and every time she asked me that question i'm like can you start the conversation so i'm gonna just turn it to matt and say matt what do you want to talk about
2: yeah i think uh it's a good time for this subject matter just an open discussion because i feel like that's how everybody is like on twitter and group chats it's like until the combine until free agency there's you know there's just no news so i mean i have like a theory that february is pretty much like the worst uh month of for football discourse on on twitter on the app because i mean everybody's just coming up with terrible takes i think just to pass time etc but uh speaking of uh take that was not not i wouldn't say terrible but a lot of uh a polarizing topic this week was drake may and he's getting picked apart and okay I know our friend, Mike, uh, dynasty's he's done, you know, a lot of the actual homework. Other people are just kind of saying how, how takes, but Brian, uh, you've noticed the Drake may conversation. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it's something we talked about for me a lot last week. And I think it's a little bit of prospect, prospect fatigue. Uh, he isn't a perfect player. I think he's maybe being slightly diminished because people are excited about Jaden Daniels. To me that Jaden Daniels and Drake may are mutually exclusive. Like they don't just because Jaden Daniels is good or bad or people are excited about him. Shouldn't move Drake may down. And I don't think Mike's saying that necessarily, but uh, like Mike specifically, he's the biggest doubter I've seen. He brought up a lot of missed throws or bad footwork or this or that. And he would show clips and it's, to me it's 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 sure I can also sh- pull up a, a lot, a lot, a lot of clips of awesome plays, uh game changing plays, uh QB1 type plays that I could change that narrative pretty quickly if I if if I wanted to post a clip of threads as well. So like a thread of clips as well. So like to me it's it's kind of I'll I'll let people start knocking him down for sure but he hasn't changed from a couple months ago. So unless you are recently diving into tape like Mike, don't just go one way or the other. You It shouldn't have changed unless you've really dove in a little bit more.
0: Yeah. One thing with the pocket passers, I feel like they don't have the rushing to fall back on from a hot take standpoint for like Jane Daniels. Okay. Jane Daniels makes some bad throws on, film and people you know knocking for it oh but he rushes a lot okay so he gets a pass the pocket passers don't have that like fallback option in their profile on tape so it's just like any bad throw just makes it almost insurmountable for them to overcome and so i just feel like those types of guys get knocked really hard by people evaluating unless you have like the joe burrow 60 touchdown pass season or you've just been proclaimed a a transcendent prospect like a Trevor Lawrence or Caleb Williams. So he's got like Justin Herbert a few years ago when he was coming out, very similar type of debate of, oh, he's not. The people were talking about like how a lot of his passes were like uh, short, a dot, things like that. And people just knock these guys that are pocket passers. And I think we've been talking about it the last few weeks, like the 105, 106. Those picks are sweet because we're talking about neighbors and Bowers. It's about to turn into Drake May. I think by the end of this, Drake May's going like one hundred five, one
2: hundred six. See, I don't think that, that I don't agree with, but I mean, I could definitely be wrong. Um, but like, it's important. People to remember, are so
0: excited about neighbors and Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, I just feel like they're going to push him up.
2: It's important to remember that NFL. I, I don't see that without Drake May following in real life. Like, if I expect him to go number two to Washington and maybe three to the Patriots at the latest, I, I would be very shocked if he doesn't get picked in the top three. And yeah, I think that's a problem. I it's, well, I don't really, no, I, I don't agree with that actually. Like, I, the Patriots are not my favorite landing spot, but like, if he's, you know, Josh Allen, just they got to be the
0: worst landing spot, name up, name up, worst landing spot than the Patriots. They don't have a, a, a hot commodity offensive coach. Their offensive line is just hot dog water. Do they have a receiver that's worth anything? They have a tight wasn't, end? Top, wasn't the top, Texans was a, a bad
1: landing spot? Yeah. Like, <laughs> the Texans were a bad landing spot last year. Like Landing spots can change. Pretty drastically, pretty
0: quickly. We've the bills seen, like, were a terrible
2: landing spot for uh, Josh Allen like five years ago, and like people didn't like the McDermott well, It
0: wasn't a very good spot. I mean, getting Stefan Diggs, like getting some stuff around him. I'm just talking about like immediately because here's the thing: if don't if you don't have that first year success, you're going to lose value. So you're drafting this guy, wh- whoever the quarterback is, as a back end, second round startup player, maybe early third.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in, you can make it's an argument odd. either side of this. Like Bryce Young, for sure, like lost a, quite a bit of value in a bad landing spot. Potentially, you could argue that anyway. Well, Bryce Young
2: sucks. Like,
1: But you can make that argument about Drake yeah. Mays. I guess my point is, like, you, you could say he sucks. Like, that's what Mike would say or other people that I've seen on Twitter now. Um, what I think is kind of interesting about this draft class, and I could be totally wrong, I just get a gut feeling we always talk about like drafting like based on like value and talent over position. I think people are going to after 101 kind of like draft by what position they want. Like I don't see a lot of people just because Jaden Daniels is there at 104 passing on like neighbors or something like that. If they really want like a sexy receiver, I could see each league's draft board kind of moving from 102 to 106 quite a bit. Maybe the 102,
0: one like the 105 or 106, could be really congested on the ADP. Yeah, it might show that Drake May is the 103 ADP, but on an average basis, there's a, they're probably going to be all pretty close together.
1: Yeah, I just like if there's someone like look like picking at 102, 103, 104 that has two quarterbacks that they like, for example, already in a super flex league, I don't see them double tapping and wanting another quarterback, they're going to say, Oh, I want Bowers because he's this special tight end or neighbors because he's maybe I like him more than Marvin Harrison jr. Or he's the special guy or whatever the case is. Are so I think excited it's about neighbors. Yes. It's, it's, it's funny. I, I don't want to get into this yet, but I, I do have one of my notes that I know you guys didn't want to have notes, but I wanted to get into some receivers that are like less talked about and just more than anything, like kind of get names on people's radars to kind of do their own research and check things out. Don't just trust your favorite analysts, do a little Mm -hmm. digging yourself. Um, so that's, that, that's something that I want us to get into at some point. But, um, before we do that, I also think it's worthwhile to kind of mention, we're talking about Drake, May, we're talking about Jay and Daniels. I think JJ McCarthy is getting enough uh, publicity steam and- is coming steam is
0: he is getting i mean oh uh, so we were talking about jj mccarthy just um as we were um talking about different players that are hot topics right now and immediately as we were talking about that my brother texted me and said jj McCarthy's going to go in the top 10 isn't he and so like that is like it, it's starting to circulate that the steam is coming that and and jj mccarthy like his volume His raw numbers, I think, in like your home type leagues, is going to get some stank to him. But in leagues where there's a little bit sharper players, I think he's going to be like the hard consensus 108, and maybe even above that once think once the draft comes around. Like if he goes, I saw was it the mock the uh, Daniel Jeremiah mock where he went 108 to the Falcons or eighth? eighth Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I think he went 108 to the Falcons, and if that happens. People, people that know, uh, that ha- are pretty connected, are even suggesting the Giants at six, are looking at QB, Falcons at eight. Then you have, I mean, the Jets at 10 probably aren't, but I mean, they probably should be. Then Minnesota at 11, Broncos at 12, uh, Raiders at 13. Uh, he's going in the top 13.
0: Like I, someone's probably get straight up, knowing I would, that they have to get him before then.
2: Almost the only counter argument to him going like top 12, top 13, that I can even think of is like this time last year, uh, Levis, Will Levis was like in the one one discussion. There was like a Houston beat reporter saying that the Texans really loved him, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So um,
1: that also, Will Levis sucked his final year in college. Um, so, so if you can read into that, like JJ McCarthy didn't have high it? volume, but he was very good
2: with the He's volume. Yeah, he was very. I I don't know how much that, I mean, matters. Like, it's it's a a data point. Like, like, he was always going to be a traits based selection. Well, I
1: I guess my point is to me, Will Levis is a more volatile player. Like, JJ McCarthy. and, And again, this might be a system based thing in college that maybe it doesn't translate, but Will Levis was very high, very low, very few in between.
0: In also playing in the sec with he's on kentucky like he, he didn't have like the best supporting cast sure will I'm... levis he was such a hot commodity there for like two weeks during the season what's he worth to y'all in draft capital right now
1: can you play the matt clip from i don't know a couple months ago where he like <laughs> is bursts. slamming on the table like he's fucking good like that was just like that was like the statement that
2: cracks me up i still think he's good um like I, i'm a
0: titans I would, fan so i hope he's good
2: i probably like a, like the latest of first like a 112 but that even seems more that's that even seems higher than what he's going in startups isn't he like an early seventh round he's going or? to the
0: seventh in startup so um dynasty data lab which is made by um adeko a d e i k o on twitter um, he's actually in the Bulletproof Discord, one of the analysts. But he has an ADP site, DynastyDataLab com. So go check that out, where you have sleeper ADP from real leagues. And in that, Will Levis is going in the seventh round. So he's, um, yeah, and that's probably right after where the end of the seventh. Um, I got him in the seventh of a startup. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. So I think that's I mean I think right he's for him.
2: Yeah, I think he's the right shot to take there. Like, I, I'd rather have him than, you know, Derek Carr, Baker, Stafford, Baker, you know, Cousins, Baker, Baker, Kirk Cousins, Stafford, yeah, it. I yeah, I'd rather have. I'd rather take a shot because, for the same reason, I was taking a shot a couple months ago. I mean, if he's gonna hit, he's gonna hit big and. Uh,
1: is it, is it not Hard a coin flip frame, Matt, if it's like a, a very strong win now team, if you need a QB two, like a Stafford versus him?
2: No, uh, I'd still take Levis because I feel like you can always get those guys. Like, yeah, I, I agree. I, I that was I, my
0: first thought. My first thought was I would rather have Levis. And worst case scenario, if I've got to trade something late in the year, like for the trade deadline or as we get into the playoffs, I can, I can make that. Money.
2: Yeah, like some someone who's not contending is going to have a QB that you – can get uh get your hands on but i mean like the owner even specifically said in writing when they released uh mike Vrabel that uh they have a very young talented qb that they want to build around um so it sounds like he has like at least a vote of confidence for one more year i do not expect tennessee to be in this jj mccarthy sweepstakes even though they're sitting there at number I back
0: they could trade. Yeah, back. they could trade back.
2: They could yeah. get offensive line. Someone they they could... might
0: need to get to seven to get JJ McCarthy. And if that happens, back to JJ McCarthy. Actually,
2: I was actually thinking about this when you were doing the Odunze stuff. Like, there's a good chance he could just go number seven to your favorite team, yeah, he <laughs> and,
0: then, could go to the and then
2: you just deal with the Odunze family for the next ten years or whatever.
0: <laughs> so JJ McCarthy goes seven or eight. Call it. I think he ends up jumping Odunze. Maybe even jumping Bowers, and we were talking about like a really strong top seven for rookie drafts if that happens. And at that point, too, Drake may maybe going ahead of him. There could be people that are like, No, nah, I like JJ McCarthy better than Drake may. I could see that happening. The Drake may, like the Drake may stuff is just people, I'm not gonna people get that, like hating on him.
2: Yeah, I well, again, I think it's important to remember that you know. That's a few fantasy analysts, I would say. Like Everything I follow from like NFL draft guys that don't deal in fantasy, right. they all say that the NFL loves a guy. I don't see Drake May dropping
0: in these guys' mock
2: drafts. He's always okay, top three.
0: So, well, Drake May is probably a guy, like I said, in that one five, one six range, that if he starts falling in rookie drafts, trying to trade up to that range sounds like a nightmare. I'm sure it's going to cost an arm and a leg, but if he starts falling in rookie drafts, I'm probably going to be intrigued to move up because I think that you're going to find a lot of people kind of like what you're talking about, Brian, where there's people that don't really want to take a quarterback. They know it's valuable. They know that they, they know that Drake may has more value than the other option, but they kind of feel like, eh, I guess I just have to draft him, but maybe you can trade in on the clock for cheaper than maybe like you, trading for right now. is just like so difficult. And you don't even know who's going to be there when you, when you trade for it
2: the other thing i really like about this quarterback class i was going to mention in, uh, when we brought up Bryce young was Bryce young always had the historical size outlier thing that he had to overcome and that combined with he doesn't run a lot like you know kyler or other small quarterbacks so, like so he always had like physical things working against him uh, ceiling wise this class, like JJ McCarthy, isn't considered like people don't really talk about him like a Konami quarterback. But then, like I see, he's expected to run like four five forty at the combine, and like he's got actually a he actually does have a lot of clips where he looks really fast. So he's I, he's just so in, a he's lot just so interesting. These quarterbacks. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's just really interested, JJ McCarthy, because it it very well could be that harbaugh and the michigan system were just like we know we can win by throwing it 20 times a game and running it down people's throats or was it that when they faced some of their stiffer competition his complete or his past attempts went even lower down like penn state where he was like seven for eight or something like that for an entire game but they won like is that a is it a is it is it a shining star for the coaching staff for finding some type of mismatch or is it a is it some type of smear on his his overall profile like why didn't they trust him enough to throw more than
0: 8 times a game i did see that he had a lot of uh, pretty much on par with the other guys um other guys being like Caleb williams drake may jaden daniels of first down percentage attempts um let me rephrase that for percentage of passes on first down am i saying that right i mean yeah to...
1: i think that makes sense like he threw it as much as the other guys threw it on first down
0: right and so that's that's a plus that's 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 good so the total team volume wasn't as high they only think i don't think they were probably running as many plays so it just i mean total of volume this is-
2: some of the Michigan stuff stats are crazy. Like uh they, they were leading at halftime of every single game they played. The average deficit at halftime was like 13.6 points. Um Their I mean, junk. they just they yeah. just ran over the and yeah. even in the college playoffs, they didn't really face competition. I mean, they faced like the best teams, but they won those games pretty easily. Yeah, that was another
0: one, was first half attempts. First half attempts, he was basically the same as the other guys. He did play, what, one or two more games than the other guys. But total attempts, he was about the same as those guys. So I, I think that the narrative that they didn't want to use him is probably a little bit inaccurate. It's it's more just that the total volume of the team is, is lower. And I, I, they just were such good at running the ball.
1: I think he's just – he's super interesting. Again, if he gets draft capital, he – with a good landing spot, especially I could see Vikings. him a, a, year from, a year from now being like the QB1 of the class and like everyone's saying like, oh, yeah, he was my QB1, like that yeah, everyone else yeah, that, does. And yeah,
0: people were – I yeah. had him on yeah. my list. Vikings – the Vikings are such a great great landing spot to me because not only do you have – a pretty good offensive coach, but it's the one it's the coach in the league that wants to throw it more than anybody. Like he wants to chuck it 40 times a game. Getting JJ McCarthy or any of these guys really into that offense would just be an absolute game changer. Like the guy should probably go 102 just on sheer volume. And yeah, you I mean you're playing with Justin Jefferson. It's also not just a volume offense, it's you, you have a good coach. I don't know if he's like top five, but Kevin O'Connell is. At least top ten in terms of offensive minds, and then the volume—just another level. Yeah, it's like we were talking about with like Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson—he's with um, what what's Steichen. the coach name for the Colts? Shane Steichen. Steichen. Yeah, Shane Steichen. I mean, I like <laughs> Anthony Richardson. I think that he's like we saw a couple. St- Stud games from him, a couple halves that were stud games, but he gets to be with Steichen, who's probably who definitely is a top five offensive coach. And that just really feels like the floor is raised for him being with that coaching staff and play calling.
2: So that's one thing that we haven't really talked about that much on this episode, uh on this podcast series. Um, is like a lot of the coaching changes this off offseason um brian like do you do you put much stock into that or like how how much do you like raise or lower someone's situation based on their coaching change
1: uh i pay zero attention in the offseason i'll have to i don't really pay attention to that stuff in general until i start seeing like some type of trend like hey this is how they're using him or not using him sort of stuff yeah makes uh, sense Todd, todd maybe you're you dive a little bit deeper into that than me
0: well, just from the – the volume is one piece. And if I can have a guy going to just an absolute boss of a, of a play caller, like if he's going to – like Achan going to McDaniels last year. That one probably should have been a little bit more of a green flag of, hey um, – Yeah, perfect fit out, Yeah, perf, per, perfect – like it, he took him – if he's good and people thought he was good, he's gonna. This could be a smash spot because of how people, how well they might utilize him.
1: People had concerns with HN its size and health, so I think those mm-hmm. were like two, which, like,
0: which came to fruition. It's like
2: everybody that had to take on HN could have could victory lap it in some way after his rookie year.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, so like Steichen being like like any receiver, even with it being Anthony Richardson at quarterback, like let's say Pittman walks which it sounds like they may not tag him. If he's gone, they may bring in a new receiver. I think people would have a lot of reservations about that receiver. We've talked about Josh downs a lot. I'm not really a fan of the player, but he, him in that offense, I feel like if he's going to be their wide receiver too, Steichen's going to figure out a way to at least make him relevant. So I just think that with the top four or five coaches combined with the fact that I need them to have some volume. So like, a McDaniel's or Shanahan offense. There's a little bit of concern of like passing volume, but there's the efficiency side. You've got the, Mc- the O'Connell method of the volume. Mc- uh, McVeigh. There's a little bit more volume. So I, I, I just like, I do think Harbaugh is,
1: is someone for like maybe like a, not a red flag, but maybe
0: a yellow flag of like mm-hmm.
2: it's a red flag. Like for me. Gonna come in yeah. I do. would be someone that her chairs.
0: If I had. the thing to me though is i feel like the the efficiency of that offense has been so absurdly bad that i think it should be better and maybe even great and then the volume will come down drastically to me it's probably ultimately just a small drop negative or a, a neutral move because their' their their efficiency was trash like they've been just a trash efficiency team like they can't run the ball
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, there might be something to that. I just think that uh, the volume is going to drop enough where like that is something that where I don't think enough efficiency will uh, increase to make it a neutral. I think it's a negative. Uh, not only Harbaugh, you know, not famously not liking to pass the ball, but then he brought in Greg Roman. Uh, I guess he brought in the pass game coordinator for Detroit, which, I've forgot his name. People like, but uh, Detroit was another team that runs the ball a lot. So I, I just think they're kind of screaming at everybody. Hey, this is going to be our plan. Uh, for those same reasons, if you know we see Corum or another running back go there day two, they're going to get a lot of justified uh, steam up rookie drafts. I think because they are going to run a lot, and but they've, to they've me that was. To me, that was like the untold or not under untold, but like the under talked about storyline from the coaching cycle this offseason is I think there was like seven had job openings. Five of them were filled by defensive guys. Um, then you, you had like the Chargers uh, get Harbaugh, Ben Johnson stayed in Detroit. So Washington. Instead of getting Ben Johnson, had to go with Dan Quinn and Cliff Kingsbury. That looks a lot less attractive than it did a month ago. Vegas, you know, kept Antonio Pierce, uh, brought in Luke Gutsy. That kind of sucks. We talked about Mayo with the Patriots. Uh, So there's a lot of losers from like a fantasy perspective from this coaching cycle, in my opinion.
0: So just I'm looking at passing attempts per game. So the chargers last year were 37 attempts per game. If We look at like your green Bay Packers, they were at 33 and a half per game, 20th in the NFL. I think that's probably like in that 32 to 34 range, which is just below average. I think it's probably where you're, where we see the chargers settle in at and like four attempts per game. If they're more efficient, I think it can neutralize, but I understand. I mean, could it be less? Could it be 30? That'd be a little bit odd given their team dynamic of Matt, not being able to run the ball, but we'll see.
1: So, Matt, you mentioned Herbert's a sell. Is neighbors a sell if he goes five to the Chargers? Or is, like, at his value, like, are you dropping him in your ranks?
2: No, I wouldn't drop him Uh, because I think for <clears> – <throat> For his chance of success, uh, the quarterback makes up for that. Like, I, I do think it would potentially hurt his volume, but uh, if they go neighbors instead of alt or offensive tackle at five, that also could suggest that, you know, maybe I'm wrong and maybe Harbaugh is looking to play a little more modern of an offense than we anticipate. But so
0: are you. Are you thinking that they're going to throw like in the bottom five of the league type numbers, like like Tennessee, uh, Baltimore, San Francisco, Chicago type levels?
2: I wouldn't say bottom five, but probably bottom ten. Yeah, I don't think it's. Uh, yeah, I think they're going. I mean, bottom like, ten, 30, like, is like, 32, like thirty-two, 30, like thirty-two, thirty-three attempts a game. I could see. Um. I mean, Harbaugh wasn't even flinging the ball when he had Andrew Luck. He he even at Stanford he was running the ball like so. Uh, I mean, that's different college for NFL, but that's yeah. the only time. That's the only time he coached what we know was an elite passing quarterback, and he. Still preferred to run the ball. Um, yeah, I'm, so. I'm
0: less concerned about the volume, um, but I do think it's I think it's probably like a neutral move. But Tennessee, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the pass attempts per game. Tennessee, 29 attempts per game, 32nd in the NFL. If they can get up to like middle of the pack, that could be a game changer for Will Levis and the rest. Well, of uh, the they're of- they're
2: one of the few teams that won, like from a fantasy perspective, in my opinion, because uh, yeah, they br- they brought in Bryce Callahan and like. The Bengals were not scared to throw it with Jake Browning. I mean, uh, so I, I think they, the owner was very clear about her mandate for the offseason. That was to modernize the uh, offense and, you know, make it a passing type of offense. Yeah, that's I mean, what I. I think
0: one really good buy right now, and it just kind of sounds gross to say, but I think he's like around wide receiver sixty, and that's DeAndre Hopkins. I post on Twitter, I think they're more towards the end of the year in the NFL season. I was posting them weekly of like um, Whopper and PFF receiving grade on one um, axis and then uh, age on the other axis. And within like PFF and Whopper, Whopper being weighted opportunity rating, it's basically target share and air yard share. Hopkins shows up around like that Diggs-Adams-Cup cluster. And if they can increase the volume, Will Levis gets a little better. Maybe the O line is fixed. Maybe Joe Alt goes seven to the Titans. That offense could improve, and Hopkins could be like the cheapest version of a of a Diggs, of a Mike Evans, like those types of guys. Like because those guys are like top thirty receivers, and Hopkins is like wide receiver sixty. A little older. He feels he feels a lot older, but he's really not that much older than than those guys.
1: Speaking of Evans, um, just recently talking about free agency and stuff. If he is in fact leaving, are there destinations where he lands that he's kind of been like a slept on or like underrated? Strictly a win now type of guy. Is there somewhere that if he goes there, he is reinvigorated in value?
0: Let's just like Kansas, Kansas City. The options. I mean, like, yeah, like if he goes to Kansas City, my, my, my concern is like. I'd, I'd want to sell him probably. <laughs> yeah, I probably would too. I feel like he goes to Kansas City. He's probably like wide receiver 20 to 25. And at that point, I don't know that he can return the value. I'm just trying to think like through that, the the, the target shares of that offense. I just don't know that he's going to be much more than what he was with Tampa. I don't know. I'm kind of thinking through this one. I, I would probably have him as a sell. And I, I don't think that he's probably much different than like Diggs. With the bills, in, in terms of perception,
1: then like Chiefs is an easy one. Are, are there any other landing spots where it's like you could see where a cell window might open up? Um,
2: I mean, like Houston, it, I, Houston is another one that gets rumored because they, you know, they have the rookie QB. I guess he's from Houston or close to there. I, I know he played at Texas A and M, but. Um, I guess, I mean, cause we saw what Stroud did for guys like Noah Brown, but like then you're, you know, battling with Nico and Tank Dell. And I, I just don't know that that move makes a ton of sense for Houston. I don't think they need to necessarily improve their uh, receivers. I, I don't expect him to leave though. Like I think uh, the reason I really have no interest in talking about like uh, Higgins, Pittman and Mike Evans is cause I just don't expect them to leave. Um, I like, I, I know that move was triggered where like now the Tampa Bay would actually have to re-sign him. He's a free agent, et cetera. But I would expect him back there still. Um, but I, I think he's fine anywhere. I mean, people, people wanted to kind of uh, say he was done with Baker as QB last year. Like a lot of people, there was a lot of comments about how his thousand yard streak would end. He had one of the best seasons of his career. So, I mean, a Carolina is another one that people talk about as a potential landing spot that will have cap money. They need to give Bryce some weapons. They just hired Dave Canales from Tampa Bay. Mm,
0: um, that's an interesting one, yeah. Pe- people like
2: that that Canales guy a lot because of uh, he worked with Gino a couple years ago during his resurgence season, and then got Baker a lot of money this past off season or this past season in Tampa. So, if there is some hope for Bryce Young they did get the most desired QB coach-type guy as their head coach. Uh,
0: So, Would you rather have Mike Evans or DeAndre Hopkins and the 206? Hopkins and the 206, I think. Yeah, same for me. All right, make it the 210, Brian.
1: Yeah, I I would still take um, Hopkins. Yeah, I I think – I think that, Evan...
2: that one's closer to me. I'm just not. I I don't know. Yeah. I. I mean, I, we'd all ra- rather have Mike Evans straight up. So I mean, if, if we're getting to yeah. like early third territory, like sure, I guess.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just I just think you're looking at both short term, uh, potentially high value guys. That like there's no reason to
0: want to pay a plus for the other, right. I mean, like, this time last year, Mike Evans was worth, like, a mid-to-early second.
2: Yeah, the plus would have been on the Mike Evans side probably for Hopkins. Like, so, like, to Brian's point, they could easily just flip-flop again. Um, But a lot of the older receivers did kind of show some cracks in their armor this year, whether it was, like, Diggs falling off, Cup getting injured, and then kind of taking second seat to Puka, and then, I mean, Devontae looks as good as he ever has but he's in a terrible offensive environment now i think um, so some of the older yeah. guys are starting to show their age a little bit fantasy production wise
0: yeah so i'm going to give you kind of my like take on the old guys i may have brought this up on previous podcasts but i'll ask for your feedback so my take on the old guys and we can almost include mike evans into the grouping now so you've got Tyree. Yeah, well the group the group of like old good guys so like you've got tyreek um you've got Diggs, cup adams keenan and uh let's call it mike evans as well so my take on the old guys is that tyreek's a sell he's adp right now wide receiver eight. like on a trade basis he's probably like in the 10 to 12 range on trading i feel like he's a sell at that and we've talked about it on previous podcasts of like you know The difference between the points probably isn't as meaningful as we like to think. So I think he's a sell. Cup and Diggs both feel just like mucky right now. Nobody wants them. And so I think trading them away right now is a mistake. I don't know that you're going to get much more than maybe an early second. ADP-wise, they're like around the 110. But I think ADP sometimes differs from the trade market. So I kind of have Diggs and Cup as just a hold. And my hope would be that if I had them, could I trade them in season and buy back some years? Um, Or maybe they're just killing and I just ride them into the sunset. Adams is the one for me. And I would include Evans in that with Diggs and Diggs and Cup. Adams is the one to me that I feel like he is in that like Hall of Fame, Larry Fitzgerald, like, like one of the best receivers of all time. And I just want to, I, I want to ride him into the sunset. Like I feel like he could have another three, four awesome years. Obviously, his situation's terrible right now, which kind of is a plus for when you're trying to trade for him. And I just want to, I, I want to have him on my contender teams. My teams are about to be contenders, and I'm just gonna ride him until until it's over. Right now, he's what is he? He's he's about to be third. This will be his age 31 season. I wouldn't be surprised if he has, like whatever he did just this, this past year, I wouldn't be surprised if he does that again at age 31, 32, 33. I just feel like he's the type of guy that could just last forever because he's just that he just, incredibly good.
1: Adams feels like a lot like Kelsey to me that it's like if people aren't going to give you what they could potentially be in trade value, then you're better off hanging on to him and just riding
0: until the wheels fall off. Yeah. Just treat him like he's one of the goats at receiver. And yeah, ride right him until the wheels falls fall off. And if I've got a team that's about to be a contender, if I've got a team that is a contender, like I want him on that team. And yeah, we'll just we'll just ride until the end. Diggs cup, I feel a little bit different about because I feel like any year it could just be over. And obviously this is more just opinion based. Like I just have the opinion that Adams is different. Like he's one of the best receivers ever i don't get the same feelings about Diggs and cup they're obviously awesome i'm not like not, no shade to, towards them yeah but, like
2: like was discussed in our group chat recently like there's levels to this like
0: yeah one yeah of them, yeah yeah and i mean i'm Adam, not here comparing Devonte adams to like larry fitzgerald like he's on yeah. that level that he could go till he's like 36. i don't i don't feel like that about Diggs cup I and mean, there's been reports that cup could retire at some point there's been reports that like Diggs isn't happy with the Bills. Like, I just don't I just don't have a lot of good feelings about them. Someone on an opinion level. Adams is the guy that I want. Um Evans, Cup, Diggs. If I can make a move early in the season, pivoting have you towards looked, a have you guy. Looked,
2: have you looked at by trying to buy Adams yet or just strictly saying hold if you have? Him?
0: I I haven't really tried to buy. I've actually been kind of trying not to make a lot of trade offers right now. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get the feeling that people don't really, they kind of want to take a break and I don't want to show my hand of who I want in my leagues. This is maybe just, maybe I'm just giving excuses for being lazy. I don't know.
2: No, I think I, a lot of people, I, have, even the most hardcore people have taken like a good solid.
0: solid yeah. And so I, I make an offer for Adams this time of year and they rejected. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, your first shot you may not hit it so and we don't make a deal well now again like close to rookie season i make another offer for adams but I'm, yeah I'm just, they like, know over- you've been wanting
2: him yeah yeah it's
0: obvious that i want him and so i think <laughs> i'd rather wait until maybe like around rookie season to make those offers now if i like i'm in a chat and like somebody's like there's an opportunity to make a deal like okay i'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm not saying i'm not making offers right now yeah but for guys like an Adams, where you have limited opportunities maybe to get them. Um I don't want to show my hand too early.
2: No, that makes sense. Uh Brian, you said that you had a group of receivers you wanted to discuss. Was it, we talked about the old guys, the rookies. Was it any of those so groups? I,
1: I have I have a list of rookie incoming rookie receivers that are like a little bit off the beaten path or a little more off the beaten path. Like I'm thinking like rounds two through four potentially rookie draft uh, receivers. So I want to like list off a group of them. I have a feeling you'll at least have heard. I know you'll for sure have heard of one, but there's a group of six that I'm curious if you both have heard of all of them. Um, so Roman yeah. Willis, Roman Wilson is the obvious one that I think um, my both have heard of. Uh, you know, big time hype. I bet you everyone in your league has probably heard of him at this point if they've paid any attention. He was the highlight of the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I don't, I don't love his size necessarily, but if he, you know, he if he's good, he's good. Uh, I think we've learned that. Um, okay, so the next five, I'm curious if you've heard of them. This next person has some name recognition. Uh, Brendan Rice.
2: Yeah, Jerry Rice's son. Yeah.
1: So does he have a dad? Does is, he happen to have a dad? He has a dad, like most people have one at some point. Um, He is semi-famous. He had 12 touchdowns this past year, played with Caleb Williams at USC. But he's also for like, for as big of a pedigree, like it's like, this is like LeBron's sons, you know, coming through like the draft process. Like he's not being talked about that much. Like, right. Like for me, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of Brendan Rice talk. Uh, did you see what
2: Steve to... Smith Senior said about it, his route running the other day? No, he, I didn't see that. He said he runs routes like Isaiah Pacheco runs the football. Yeah. It's like the most determined, like violent, violent, yeah, route violent, violent, cuts and everything. So I and he said it in a complimentary way. So I mean, it sounds like Steve Smith likes him, but yeah, yeah he, he, he hasn't been it, talked about nearly. He finished
1: the all. year strong. I I just it was. I think people probably were expecting like a wow type of season with Caleb, and he didn't necessarily have that. It was like yeah. kind of underwhelming. Scored a bunch of touchdowns, he had twelve touchdowns his senior year, but okay. Um, and then these are the guys that I'm guessing maybe you've seen on I've seen them talk. I talked a little bit on Twitter recently, I guess. Um, first one being Javon Baker out of UCF.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah I've, I've started seen. Started at Alabama. Alabama.
0: Started, yeah, at Alabama, started at Alabama transferred to UCF. Didn't really get to play at Alabama. I think he was only there for a year or two and then popped a little bit at UCF.
1: Yeah, so he had two years at Bama, two years at UCF, six two. He had his senior year this past year, he had seven games over eighty five yards, like pretty productive in both his UCF seasons. Big, athletic. He's kind of the outlier of this group like everyone else is kind of more like the i guess him and brendan rice are like the the outliers in terms of size these other guys are like more like the little engine that could kind of receivers a little bit
0: so we got roman wilson brendan rice javon javon baker so far
1: yep uh next is malik washington virginia
2: He's been getting a lot yeah. of hype. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say a lot because maybe I'm just on Twitter more than a lot of uh, fantasy players. But I've seen a lot of people talk about Malik Washington the last week or so.
0: Yeah. Okay, so he had so, a really high PFF receiver grade this past year. Maybe people are like years.
1: people are saying he could be like the best receiver. No one's talking about kind of label. Um. Five nine, one ninety four, just like kind of a tank. He like, to me, he looks kind of like a running back. So, you know, the automatic, like, uh, Debo type of style of receiver to me is like something that kind of jumps out, not a Debo necessarily impact, but to me like that, he's just like, he looks like a running back when he catches it, um, physically. So like that, he's just another interesting guy. I've seen a couple people on Twitter really raving about him, started looking a little bit more into him because of that. Uh yeah. Ray GQ being like the notable one that he was like, why isn't anyone talking about this guy? Like please continue to sleep on him kind of thing because I want him everywhere. Yeah. Um so that's another person to kind of keep an eye out for. Uh Jacob Cowing.
2: Jacob Cowing, I've seen yeah. Yeah, he he was uh he's, he was he's in a fast guy, right? He's he's like the he's the burner type guy.
1: He's 5'8", 165, yeah. So he has. <laughs> so mass. <laughs> yeah, he's he's this he's the same size as Tank Dell. Um, and it, it's funny. I was I had already had my notes up, and then I saw David Gattieri tweet about him today and compared him to Tank Dell with, and you know he met he matched up his yards per route run, his this his a dot his this and that and like. I think a lot of people default to like, oh, well, Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore. And, um, you know, he had double a dot than Rondell Moore did at Purdue. Uh, so, I mean, just the – in the and, again, he was a transfer. He went from UTEP to Arizona. Uh, I think he's just another guy that's, like, probably going to be slept on. There's all these notable receivers. This is a guy in the, you know, second, third round that you could add on – uh with like low risk but he could pop for you like i, I certainly don't want people to chase the next tank Dell because you know he could very well be an outlier and attach to stroud and stuff but that's another interesting name to think about
2: i wonder if i can guess your sixth name
1: uh i bet you can't
2: is it malachi corley Oh man, yeah, it is.
0: It is. <laughs> I, 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 this I was is the thinking guy that everybody's like, comparing to Debo. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, he, he's yeah, he's compared. I've seen a lot of uh, Debo comparisons, and like his eight out is what like three or some shit. Like it, it's like a tiny eight yeah. out. Oh, he did the but he's a yak beast in like some of the tape matches. So it,
1: he's yeah, he's five eleven, two hundred pounds, had twenty nine touchdowns in three years at Western Kentucky. Uh St- Steve Smith again. He said he was the steal of the draft. Um, he looks like a, like a Steve Smith type, um, when you watch him, that's, that's another interesting guy that just kind of keep an eye on. So obviously I'm not as plugged in as, as Matt is for him to know my topic. Um, but yeah, so Javon Baker, UCF, Malik, Washington, Virginia, Jacob Cowling, Arizona, Roman Wilson, Michigan. Malachi, Corley, Western Kentucky, Brendan Rice, USC. So those are the six guys that I'm kind of outside of the the big names that I'm keeping an eye on.
0: So I'm going to give my overarching, um, I'm just going to clump all of these guys together and then I'll let Matt talk about them. But my overarching thought on these guys is that none of them are going to look pretty from a analytical standpoint. Like they're all going to, they're all have their warts whether it's poor performance early in their career, not doing anything until their senior year, not really dominating on their own team, whatever it is, um, they all have like their own little warts. But what I'm going to really look to do in rookie drafts with like these groups of guys, and then you could probably add another couple of them is who are the guys that went in rounds three, call it three, four, and maybe I'll count round five. And also, who's going the cheapest in rookie drafts. So who's going in round. I don't want to take them in round two. Who's going in round three. Who's going in round four. And then who is going to an offense with high volume or with a good coaching staff. And I don't care about the immediate impact. Like, so like if they go to an offense, like let's say let's use the Bengals, for example, they've got Jamar chase, and T. Higgins, probably getting re-signed. And like one of these guys goes there. I'm not, I'm not worried about the instant depth chart fit. I think that's what happens a lot of times is people are like, "Oh, um the easy one last year was Puka and obviously it worked out. But like, oh, he's easily going to be able to step in because they don't have a wide receiver too." I'd I'd like to stay away from that because to if they're good, they're going to they're going to step in. If they're not good, then they're not going to step in. So like whether the depth chart is just like wide open, I don't think is a big deal to me. It's more about like if they are that good and they step in, is the ceiling there and is the ceiling there with a, a Kevin O'Connell Vikings team throwing it 40 times a game. That's the type of landing spot that what, I, what I'm kind of thinking about. So who goes the cheapest? Who's going in like round three or four? Who goes to those spots? that's kind of like a nice volume. Um, and, you know, combine it with like a quarterback. So like take Dell is a good example. He went, obviously, we, we didn't know it at the time, but he went to CJ Stroud. So things like that are probably what I'm looking at from this group because all of them you could look at all of them and be like no they all suck. Well, one or two of them might hit. One of them might hit yeah. huge.
1: And, and if I'm, I'm going to do
0: it, I'm going to do it on a cheap basis.
1: Yeah, like what are you investing here? Like that's that's yeah. that's the point of this like if I was saying, "Hey, you should take one of these guys at Rookie Pick 106. You're going to find enough warts." You know, yeah, right exactly. You're going to find enough warts to be like, "No, that's not for me." This is something that I think a lot of people are always looking for and don't always get enough of in terms of like content or advice is keep an eye out for these guys. Like, where do they get drafted? How are do they doing the combine? Um, you know, all of those different things. Like is, is Debo light Malachi Corley? Does he end up in Miami or something like that? Where, you know, the cor- the coach is going to get him into space somehow. Like then it's, a little more sexy that maybe if people aren't sleep, if people are sleeping on him, you can definitely get some value out of it. Or if he's overvalued, you can sell him for sure.
2: Yeah. Roman Wilson's always going to, until the draft is going to be my guy from this group. And like one thing I look at that, like I think is easy to make fun of, or even easy to make a good case, not to care about it whatsoever is like whatever, that dude is going to be in the NFL. I know he's going to maximize that. Like he's just a fucking dog. It comes across in his play, his play style, his interviews, all that shit. Uh, so I just love seeing that from prospects, especially ones that aren't like you know considered no doubters, like neighbors and Malik uh, Marvin Harrison and shit like that.
1: I think it would be really funny to, in like two or three years, look back and JJ. Let's say JJ McCarthy and Roman Wilson have both um ascended to at least really good player if not stardom yeah and like you know the revisionist history of like man michigan's offense must have been dope like it must have been fun like throwing it around like a superstar quarterback this 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 great wide receiver and then you're like oh they passed six times against penn state and they ran it down everyone's
2: throat interesting blake quorum who the hell is that yeah i mean nico collins was hardly used in michigan right like, yeah. I, if I remember correctly, like, there was yeah. a reason he fell to round three or whatever it was. But yeah,
0: he had a weird career too because he sat out his senior year for COVID. So he's like, yeah, that year kind of... wasn't that bad, but then he didn't have a senior year. So it was kind of a weird situation for him. But yeah, he went in round three.
2: That COVID year is like messing up a lot of people's models too, from like what I've heard on podcasts and like articles and stuff. Like, in terms of like, I, I know uh, Zoltan's covered this in his uh, preview uh prospect preview pod series that like a lot of times he's just throwing it out the window if a guy played two games
0: that year or whatever like yeah, the pack 12 um, was really the only one that was a little bit weird where they just played four games yeah, four, even yeah that, like four. if it was your freshman year like you were still getting you were still getting some practice and like a lot of a lot of guys don't even play a freshman play in their freshman year. like justin jefferson did do it he played two games his freshman year so like to me i, I that excuse i'm I'm not huge on it for the player. Like, if you're good, then come back in year two and be good. Or, right? Be yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I don't, the excuses are like a little bit harder for me to justify. Well, yeah. Like, Jamar, Jamar Chase set out,
1: you know, he played sophomore year, then didn't play his junior year, right? Didn't, wasn't that the case?
0: Didn't yeah, play yeah, his yeah, junior year. yeah. 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 I, I guess what, what, Matt so good, though. To, I, like, guess
2: the... I don't. I hardly heard anybody knock him for that. Like, as a prospect, yeah. And... I don't
1: think anyone doubted his talent. But it was also, it was just like we have one data point versus we would have had a second yeah. year of. I mean, it w- he would have been great, but like you could have always made the case of like maybe Burrow made those guys or whatever. I don't know.
2: So the we're talking about like these rookies that. Uh, the next time they're going to have a chance to affect their draft stock is starting next week, the NFL combine. Like, do you guys care about the combine really at all? Or like uh, any, like I, the, a good 40 time will help a uh, running back and receiver with draft capital, but that also can be answered by the data point of draft capital. So is there like anything else that you guys really care about?
1: Yeah. For me, I care more about the negative things that might happen than the positive. So, like, if the, like, you're talking about, like, a running back all of a sudden runs like a four nine and we were expecting a four five or something like that. Like, and, and this is, this is a bad example because it kind of worked out for him. But, like, Kyron Williams is a guy that I liked in college early. Then he didn't have a great final year. Then his combine sucked. And then I was like, okay, I'm fully out on him. And now, He is. I don't know what he is, but he had. (laughs) Yeah,
0: everyone's still a little scared of him, but he
1: had a great year. That's that's (laughs) undeniable. Yeah,
2: we can say that. Todd, what were you gonna say
0: though? Well, I think it's just it's just a uh, proxy for understanding where the draft capital will be. So right now, we have almost no indication of draft capital besides like mock drafts that we see, and that's just really people guessing. The only people that aren't totally guessing, in my opinion, are probably like the guys that are connected. To actual GMs and talking to them, so there's a few of those, and then I think a lot of people are just basing their mock drafts off those people. Once we have the combine, also they get they all get there and they all talk and they all chatter, and then we kind of get the reverberation of that. Then we start to understand what the draft capital look like. It's not totally defined. But we're going to be able to say, okay, we think Roman Wilson will be round two or three, or we think uh, Javon Baker is around two. He might be round one. You know, like we start hearing things like that. And that's what gives us that. That's what I'm excited about with the combine. So the combine will give us that. That's why I don't really love talking about some of these guys until after that, because like you said, I mean, a few years ago you had guys like Seth Williams, um, who was the guy from NC State. I can't remember his name, but he came out the same year as Jacoby Myers. But um, he was like supposed to be a round two guy and got, falls around round six because of the combine. So that's what the combine is for me. Is like okay, this gives me an idea of what draft capital is going to look like. Yeah, and I think oh, since like 2014, there's like five or six guys that have gone in the first round that didn't have a sub four five forty. So that's another little bit of an indicator of understanding of what first rounder is possible. Um, So things like that for for the combine are kind of what I'm getting excited about.
2: Yeah, I never really know like what to pay attention to and what not to. Like I saw someone tweet the other day about the tight end. uh, Pay attention to the RAS score, the relative athletic score for tight ends. Yeah, because like all the if you look at all the top receiving tight ends this year, all of them had high scores. And, like, that just makes sense intuitively, right? Like, of course, the most athletic tight ends probably are going to end up, you know, scoring the most fantasy points. But then, like, you had that guy last year. I think his name was Zach Koontz with the Jets, if I'm remembering correctly, who had, like, a basically a perfect fucking RAS score. And, like, he's, like, 6'6 six, six or 6'7, yeah. fastest shit. And, like, he, he didn't do a fucking thing all year. But people... People love throwing him at the end of their fourth round uh, drafts, I remember, just because, like, hey, why not? What if he does, gets on the field? So, yeah, it's a lottery ticket. Yeah. And, like, I think Jelani Woods is another one. So, like, it feels like there's an equal number of, like, these high athletic guy, tight ends that don't do shit. So, I don't know
0: how much it really moves the needle. I guess if someone yeah, like it's not Tatavians, a full indicator, but it's maybe a piece of the puzzle. So, yeah. Like, uh, if, if someone like Jatavian
2: Sanders that. or someone has a bad, Bad one, maybe take well, the
0: guy from and uh, his name slips me, but the guy from Texas AM last year, he was a tight end, he was supposed to be like a third, fourth round tight end. Was that, that a couple probably... years
2: ago? The Wiedermeyer guy or whatever? Um, yeah, it, um, it, it's yeah, something Jay Wiedermeyer, or something like that. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Um, and he just completely fell off the map after the combine, right?
0: Yeah, we like, I don't even think he was. I, yeah, I think he my in
1: 22. Yeah,
0: 22. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think he went undrafted, and he's just nothing now. And people kind of were talking about him as a second round type of tight end option. So, yeah, I think I think um, that's what the combine used for. You mentioned Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams is ADP. Let's see. He's in the going in the fourth round. Is that right? Kyron Williams old. Yeah, fourth AW. round RB6. I saw a poll with him versus the 108, which is going in the sixth round, the end of or no, middle of the sixth round. So they're two. Yeah, the 108 apart. was like
2: 55 45 over.
0: Yeah, the 108 heard. was leading versus Kyron Williams, which to me was a little bit mad. I think either Kyron Williams is undervalued or the 108 is overvalued in my opinion, or like ADP is jacked up. There's some sort of inefficiency going on there. I'm starting to think Kyrie Williams starting to get undervalued a little bit. Yeah. Based on the well, ADP at round four, I don't know that that's true. Maybe he's maybe undervalued about on the trade yeah. market.
1: We've talked about this a lot. Yeah. Like t- trading for win now or viewed as win now pieces right now. You can't win a championship right now and people aren't thinking that way. So I think it's probably a lot more voters on the front of long term and rookie fever, I would guess, mm-hmm. and that's um, what you know like to, like, like the, the like the classic Family Guy like it could be a boat kind of thing.
2: Yeah, well, uh, and I mean the community in general is as biased against running backs as they ever have been, and like, man, it takes a lot to get that day three stink off you. Like Aaron Jones, it took multiple years for people to start trusting him. I, I remember that personally. Um, it's pretty
1: crazy for him. He looked the part like right away. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah. First... And
2: he he didn't have like some of the small was, and slow stuff that Kyrie. Who, who
1: was the guy that he replaced? There was it was like a semi-notable uh, notable he, running back.
2: I well, was... I, I don't know if he. I don't know if they replaced uh, Eddie Lacy or if that was a little bit earlier. But uh, Jamal Williams was drafted in the third round that same draft, um, and he yeah. was. From BYU, and he, he was supposed to be like our lead running back, and Jones is like the, the compliment, that. but both of them worked out. Jamal Williams was still a good third round pick, I mean, for what he was. But
0: mm-hmm. uh, All right, before, before we wrap things up here, I'm going to um, pop this on you guys as a question. I will go first to try to give you a little bit of time while I filibuster. So, whether it's trade or startup ADP, what's your biggest buy player right now and so i'll go first and mine's gonna be a little bit lazy i'm gonna do two so my first lazy one is deandre hopkins i think he's a great buy for old teams like a 211 or 212 was what he goes for on fantasy calc so that would be my buy but as far as like a let's, like let's get some of the meat and potatoes and get, do a, a good fun buy i'm gonna say i'm gonna I'm going to say pivoting to Caleb Williams. Pivoting off of Hertz, Lamar, maybe not Hertz. Let's say CJ Stroud, Lamar, Burrow, Herbert, Anthony Richardson, and going to Caleb Williams. I don't know what that looks like on the trade market exactly, and that's something that I wouldn't probably be looking to do like today. But I think it's probably something to keep an eye on. As, as you get closer to rookie drafts. People don't want to trade their 101 in February, I don't think, unless they're just getting a smash deal. They want to be able to do some something fun, like either leading up to the draft or on the clock. So I think what I'll be doing is just kind of like keeping an eye on that 101 pick because I'm starting to wonder if Caleb Williams is getting undervalued due to just prospect fatigue.
2: Yeah, and even if even if it's not necessarily true, people will think that if they wait until the week of the draft to trade that pick, or the day of the draft, or while on the clock, that okay, I, w- I waited till the right time mm-hmm. to trade this. I'll maximize the value. And it's like, well, maybe your partner would have given you the same exact thing two months ago. But yeah, I right. I, I agree. Waiting to make that trade, the problem, the only problem I see with it is I don't know that. You're gonna get like a plus that would make it worth it.
0: Um, That's the problem. I think you're right. I think you're right. That's the problem. Like, so like if I have Herbert,
2: it's not. It's worth trying. I
0: mean, yeah. If I've got Herbert, what am I really gonna get on top of Caleb Williams to make it worth it? I don't know. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think it's worth. You know, like you said, it's worth trying though, and just kind of testing the waters.
2: My uh, so the I'll give a group of three buys all at the same position. Uh, to me, all buys for similar reasons but a guy you made fun of earlier in the podcast uh pop douglas Dontavian wicks and khalil shakir i think are all similarly priced and they're all three cheap young wide receivers that i would look to get with you know as a throw on to a different like the the tier down that you're talking about like if i'm if i'm Tearing down a quarterback or a different position, and I need some pluses to mm-hmm. uh make up that difference. Maybe I throw in uh one or two of those guys and maybe another piece or whatever. But uh those are three guys I'm
0: looking to buy everywhere. Wicks, Demario Douglas, and who else? And
2: Khalil Khalil on the Bills. Okay, I so think. Wicks
0: is going right now ADP. I'm just looking at ADP sleeper the last like three weeks. Mm-hmm. On Dynasty Data Lab, um, Wix is wide receiver 49, Demario yep. Douglas, also known as Pop Douglas, wide receiver 52, and Cleo Shakir, wide receiver 57. So, yeah, I think I've seen D- Dontavian Wicks go for a, a 206 and like a 208 in two separate trades over the last couple weeks.
2: I, I got a trade offer last week that I was like, what the fuck is this guy thinking? He he offered me Amari Cooper for Wicks and the 110. I was like, is Cooper even worth the one ten? <laughs> I was like, hey, and he must think that I like fucking hate Wicks or don't even think he's anything. This is, but
1: this, this is embarrassing. Amari Cooper was one of my buys.
0: And <laughs> oh, there we he go. He, I like it. I like that as a buy. Not at <laughs> I like that that it as price. a buy too. Just not for No, not at that price. But um
1: yeah, my, my buys, Amari Cooper uh, got him in the ninth round of a startup. Uh, I think Joe Mixon is an interesting buy in, like, round 11, 12. Uh, Do you think so that like he is
0: returning to the Bengals?
1: I, I think he is going to, uh, okay. but I don't. I didn't really dive super deep into his like contract status in terms of like if they are relieved of a certain amount of money or whatever but to me he's good he's another one of those guys that I'm probably just kind of riding until wheels fall off which could come soon but I don't think you're paying anything near what he could be worth short term Tony uh, Pollard and Joe
0: Mixon I'd rather Yeah I, I think 80B. Yeah, I think
2: so. Man, Mixon's a sell if they're back to back in ADP. I think.
1: I think that's people just diminishing what Pollard could still be because they're so sour on what he wasn't this past year. What what about
2: Mix? What about Mixon or James Conner? Mixon. Okay.
1: Um, But James Conner was going a round or two later in startups. Two rounds later, I looked at yeah
2: interesting i think I'd. so
1: like if i could get two rounds i i mean in theory you could get both of them and then just a a, like a little bit sexier of a thing and we were talking about rookies i'm buying 107 108 uh where i can and trying to package like a late one like if i just won the championship or was in the championship 111 112 and let's say i have a 25 2 or something like that i'm trying to package that in to get into 108 um and it's partly for the reason i i think there's some good receivers but also the jj mccarthy emergence is like we talked about is probably coming and it's going to either have him be there or push somebody else back that we were already tearing up as this tier of six or seven so
2: yeah it does seem like that tier of six or seven is becoming seven or eight and then uh like we we've talked about it in previous episodes that Me and you are, uh, I think all three of us really are interested in buying late firsts in general because then let's say you have that, and then Xavier Worthy goes to Kansas City, and then that's a tier of nine, and then Brian Thomas goes to Buffalo, and then that's a tier of 10. Like it it, it could easily happen. Um, It feels like some potential nut landing spots aren't necessarily being priced into like 109, 110 yet.
0: so yeah, I'm excited to first talk about Robert some of Xavier those receivers, receiver. Brian Thomas, Xavier Worthy after the combine. So, just to kind of give you an idea, Brian, of the players you mentioned, of where they're at, like draft capital wise on ADP. So, Mari Cooper is between the 201, the 202. Joe Mixon is between the 204, the 205, and you mentioned the 108 um, as a buy, as a a thing to buy. That's kind of like between. Let's say Ken Walker, Jaden Reed, James Cook, Barkley, those type players.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely selling a couple of those guys for 108.
0: Yeah. Um, the, The players ahead of the 108, I'll just read them in order really quick. Zay Flowers, T. Higgins, JSN, Jordan Addison, DK, Kyle Pitts, Deshaun Watson, Ken Walker. Yeah, I would sell a lot of those guys for 108, but... I would take the player... I think almost all of them, maybe not Jordan Addison. That may be the only one.
1: I think I would prefer 108 over Addison and Flowers, honestly. Um I just I, I don't I, go I, like I'd rather re-roll. I, I think Flowers and Addison are gonna be like pretty solid, but I don't see the star potential, I guess. Just me personally, that's a hunch
0: kind of thinking like all right so i'm not i don't want to put words in your mouth but like their career rounds five six type players and you're re-rolling to hope that you can round it hit a round two three type player with the understanding that you might roll again and get a round 10 next year for example yeah is kind of yep to just kind it's, of take the it's, risk. it's the
1: the thought process that the win now guys hate but that's how it that's how I how I think when if you're not going to get a star out of it, try
0: and get a star. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Zay Flowers, I think Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison from just like a, a warp, just like a wins over replacement player value perspective. They're pretty replaceable. Like you can if if things get dicey, you can go and get a DeAndre Hopkins or like a Marquise Brown and get some sort of backfill to, a, to that type of guy now maybe those guys t- turn into rounds two three players who knows but it could i i, I, I get could. the process of what you're saying
2: yeah i'm selling watson for the 108 but i know i'm on an island here uh with that one
0: so on my twitter i've got i've had trade for so-and-so a bunch so like in the past i had uh trade up for jamar chase i had trade for our friends noah fant rashad bateman I had trade for t higgins I've had I've had a few of them in my in my bio on Twitter. So you're in about would, I would make it to Sean Watson because I think he's just a massive buy right now, but I don't want to get canceled on Twitter. So just know that if I had my own choice, I'd probably just make it to Sean Watson. But um, round five or six for him is kind of crazy to me. I, I I don't know if this is accurate, but I saw someone on Twitter say, um, up until the game where he got hurt and played like 12 snaps or whatever, he had the same points per game as Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if it was accurate or not, but it was like 18.3 points per game. I assume four points per passing touchdown leak. So yeah, I,
2: I saw the one. same. T- I saw the same tweet. Um, I I'm I assuming it's accurate it. under some kind of settings, but yeah, I mean Mahomes had a. Pretty
0: disappointing fantasy season. Like uh well, he's by, also, his, he's also by his standards, QB two in the world, and Deshaun Watson's in the what? What is this? The seventh round, seven hundred one is where he's going. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. He's going to six hundred one. But I mean, yeah, Jacoby
2: Brissett and old ass Joe Flacco ran the offense better the last two years. That's eventually going to become a concern.
1: Comeback player of the year, Joe Flacco.
2: <laughs> yeah, play, playing for the Jets is more to overcome than dying, <laughs> according to the voters. Classic. All
0: right, well, so that wraps us up.
1: Else? Yeah, I just have one thing I want to get off my chest. Uh, Jalen Brown's tribute to D. Brown in the dunk contest was as bad, if not worse, than Doc Rivers has been since 2009. Man. Just outrageously bad.
2: Couldn't even jump if, over.
1: And if you did if you didn't see it, he covered his eyes when he landed, not while he was dunking. <laughs> Outrageous!
0: All right, that wraps us up. Thank you for joining the Dynasty Market Watch podcast, presented by the Bulletproof Family Podcast. We'll continue to be back every week this off season. We're getting super close to the NFL Combine, like we were talking about. Once that hits, we're going to start talking about the, these incoming rookies more. Some of these rookies that Matt or that Brian was talking about today, um, a lot of the guys like Xavier Worry, Brian Thomas, we're going to hit a lot of, on a lot of those guys. You can find us on Twitter. Brian is at Brian underscore Leary one. Matt is at Dynasty Peasant. I'm Todd at Dynasty Flex, And you can find me in the Bulletproof Discord. The podcast account is at market underscore watch one. Do us a solid and go give that a follow. Would also really appreciate a rating and review of the podcast on Spotify and Apple. Thanks for joining.